Oh, listen, just one more thing. Uh, oh, there's one little thing. Uh, uh, Mr. Paris, there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, everybody, our schedule's a little different with our uh, worship service this evening. We are doing the message right now, so you can't go and have a big talkie time. That's going to be reserved for later on after the whole uh, service is over this evening. So we're just extending, pushing that ahead. Um, now, in this uh, message series, I want, oh, I want to say hello to um, uh, Brentwood Campus. Hello, Brentwood Campus. Here I am. I act like it's Saturday evening. No, it's not. It's not Saturday evening. It is Sunday morning. And um, we want to say hello to you as well as we are continuing this June uh, series where we are having a little fun with this phrase called just one more thing. But actually what we really are wanting people to do is to pause and consider just one more thing around these important areas of life. Now, the first week of the series, we talked to grads and we wanted them and everyone else to learn from the story of Elijah three truths. All great leaders start as students, all great leaders experience seasons of doubt, and all great leaders look to God. Then last week, we, we said, okay, let's just look at one more thing when it comes to dads. And uh, we considered the wisdom literature of Proverbs and asked, what wisdom can fathers contribute to the next generations? And we discovered the best wisdom we can share with our children is what we call gospel wisdom, which is simply this. As God has taught me, I will now teach you. And so we asked the question, dads, what is God teaching you? And what can you share with your next generations? That's great wisdom, by the way, to pass on to anyone. Well, this week, as we consider just one more thing, um, today we want to talk about baptism. Baptism. You know, on this journey of faith, we encounter what we call this act of baptism. In Jesus' commissioning of his followers, if you have your Bibles now, you can also go on to our YouVersion app. We, have, we, we are part of the live event. You can go look at that. We have the outline there. Sometimes I don't make it uh, in time, but it is there. It is there, so you can, can look at that. Um, but it, the scripture tonight I want us to look at as we think about this, this, um, this issue of baptism, it's found right in Jesus' words in Matthew 28, verse 19. If you're following the outline, I made a mistake. It's not verse 18, so cross that out. Make that little editorial correction. It's verse 19. And um, listen to what Jesus says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and there you have it. There's that word, baptizing, baptism, the baptized. You know, when you hear this word baptism, it, it, it sounds so religious, doesn't it? Um, and, and when you see this act done as well, you know, um, if you've been part of this church family for any length of time, you've seen people get into this, this round pool of water here. Um, you've seen people get into actually different contraptions that have held water. Maybe from other traditions, you've seen, uh, people, uh, uh, get, get baptized. If you have the version app, by the way, um, go check. I, I created a link to um, a clip from the movie that George Clooney was in called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And in that movie, there's a scene of all these white-robed people 
walking down to the river, and, and you hear someone singing in the background, as I went down to the river to pray, and then all these people are just walking through the woods, all dressed in white. And I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian, I'm a Baptist pastor, but I found that a little spooky, you know? And um, maybe that's, maybe when you, when you really think about getting this, this whole thing about baptism, maybe that's what it seems to you. It seems kind of spooky. I, I think about uh, last week um, uh, on Father's Day, uh, a, a church here in Moncton, the Moncton Wesleyan Church, they had an outdoor baptism service. And uh, um, I think that I was told by uh, Dale Betts, who left us to go to become executive pastor, <laughs> but I'm happy for you, Dale. Um, and Renee, but, but as they were going, that was their first Sunday there officially as executive pastor, but they were baptized in 100 people at this outdoor service out in their parking lot. Apparently, they had three of these pools like this um, all lined up. They had some grandstands uh, around. They baptized 100 people. And like that's, that, 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 that's like one big event of baptism. Now, I just want to let you know that our approach is a little different. We, we don't do the big whoosh, you know. We, uh, we do it step by step. Um, we do a little by little. I mean, in this past year, of uh, this past ministry year, we had 25 baptisms. And this weekend, we're going to have three more, just little by little, like little deposits, you know, over and over, compound interest, okay? Um, and we think both ways actually have their advantages, by the way. We think sometimes having a big event really encourages people to see that, that this isn't just a one-off deal, like a lot of people are responding and this is how they're expressing their faith. Yet at the same time, I really think that when we are doing baptisms on a regular basis, it helps people to wrestle with this, this step of faith that Jesus talks about here in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, that reminds me, and I just want to let you know, and this is for those at the Brentwood campus as well as here who are watching this message live that we are actually going to give you a chance to respond to baptism um, right now at the, end of this, at the end of this message. So if God is speaking to you about taking this step of faith right now, um, get ready. We're going to give you a chance to respond. It, it is, it's as simple and, and as clear as that. Now, now um, back to um, the word baptism. What does this big religious-sounding word really mean? Well, it's, it actually comes, like a lot of our English language, right, you know, comes from different languages. Comes from the Greek, comes from the German, comes from the Latin. And also we have words that come into our English language that comes from, from again, from the uh, Koine Greek language. And, and in this, this is actually a Greek word. And the Greek word um, is actually uh, baptizen. Now, I know um, Brent, my teaching pastor, probably has better pronunciation, but I'm just going for it. Um, but, but actually, that baptizen word actually is two words, two Greek words put together. Bat means to immerse or to dip or to bathe, and en means in. So bathe in, immerse in, dip in, something like that. Baptizen. That's at least what my study book says. Okay, biblical scholar over there. He can, he can put a footnote on it at the end and say, okay, something else going on. But, but at the end of the day, as we look at whether it's baptizen or baptizo or all those Greek words, what we really are saying is, is that the word itself simply means to dip under or to immerse in. And as we think about that, what we're saying is then that Jesus says, go 
and make disciples and immerse them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's, that's really what it means. When I think about that, um, it takes a lot of the spookiness out of this act. And, and it helps us understand that what we're really asking people to do is when they're expressing their faith in Jesus, is that Jesus is saying, you know, plunge into some water to publicly express that you believe in me and, and do so under the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as we think about that, we know still, though, the word baptism has a lot of meaning. It's very powerful. Why? Because of what it signifies and what it symbolizes it when it comes to life and to faith and to our understanding of God. You know, it's interesting when we read this passage, this very simple verse, um, and can we just go back, back to that verse again? Um, it just says here, um, go and make disciples, baptizing them. And here we see that Jesus makes a very clear connection between belief and baptism. Um, you know, baptism, according to Jesus, is rooted in belief. Jesus says, go out and, and help people to make that decision to follow me, to be a disciple, to learn of me, to put their trust in me, and, 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 and then baptize them. There's a sequence that Jesus um, shows us here. Now, now, what that means then is that before anyone enters into the waters of baptism, that there has to be that, 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 that moment of where faith is birthed in their heart and in their soul and in their mind, where they really decide to believe. Please understand, just to be baptized as a ritual, as though somehow that will take care of everything, doesn't change anything in your life. You know, just because I go live in a garage doesn't make me a car, right? I mean, just doing the, the act means nothing without the belief. See, go and make disciples. Make, help people to make that decision to say, yes, I'll believe in Jesus. So before you get baptized, you have to say, what do I believe about Jesus? And this belief step is absolutely critical before you do the act. So what are we supposed to believe about Jesus? Well, let me just put it to you plainly. We are to believe if we're going to have a relationship with God, we can only do so through faith in Christ. And on our own, we are hopelessly lost, as the Bible tells us. In fact, we're dead in our sin. And in fact, we're headed for hell, eternal separation from God. The Bible says everyone has sinned. That means all of us here. <laughs> and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, the grand good news that we're called to believe is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was our substitute. He took our place. And in Christ, we are freed from the penalty of our sins. His death on the cross paid the price for our fallen nature and our wrongdoing. This act of grace in Christ not only makes us right with God, as the Bible tells us. In fact, what Christ did gives us the opportunity to be friends of God. What an opportunity. And we believe Jesus not only died, but that he rose again. We don't worship a dead savior. Jesus' resurrection proves that he conquered death and paid for our sins. It proves that he was God in the flesh. And the resurrected Jesus, now ascended back to God the Father, offers us God's love, forgiveness, and eternal life. So the belief question 
to the, according to the Bible is simply this. Are you going to live for God or for yourself? Have you settled this question of believing in Christ? If you haven't, let me point you to this. John 1.12, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, we hand out as gifts to um, uh, guests a little purpose-driven life pamphlet. And Rick Warren actually uh, talks about this for a moment at the very end of his pamphlet that I just want to read a portion of that helps understand what it means to believe. And this is what he says. He says, You may hesitate wondering whether you will have the strength to live for God. Don't worry. God will give you what you need if you just make the choice to live for him. And also, don't feel that you must have all your questions answered before you commit. You will always have questions over the rest of your life. I've been a follower of Christ for over 40 years, and I still have questions and doubts about some things I read in the Bible. But those questions have not prevented me from enjoying a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have to understand how internal combustion works in order to benefit from a car. I don't have to understand the chemistry of digestion in order to enjoy a good steak. Likewise, I wish someone had told me I could accept Christ in my life, even with all my doubts and questions. You can accept them too. And then Warren goes on to to simply say this. He refers to this verse I just read where it says, to all who believed in him, to all those who have accepted him, he gives the right to become the children of God. Warren says, believe you're not an accident. Believe you're made to last forever. Believe God has chosen you to have a relationship with Jesus who died on the cross for you. Believe that no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you and help you change, and he will. And then receive Jesus Christ into your life by allowing him to become your Lord. And Warren says that really just means the manager, the boss, the one in control, and your Savior, the one who died to pay the penalty for everything you've ever done wrong. Receive his forgiveness for your sins. Receive his purpose and peace. Receive his power to help you fulfill your life purpose. The Bible says whoever accepts and trusts the Son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. And so so if people are going to be baptized, Jesus says, first of all, go and make them disciples. So my question simply to all of us who are here and those of you who are listening is simply to ask yourself, am I sure that I'm a Christian? Do I have Christ in my life? Have I really accepted him as my Savior and Lord? And this is how, this is the the simplicity of what it means to accept Christ. It's simply saying in your heart this, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I accept you. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. Thank you for rising again. And as much as I know how, I ask you to come into my life and help me to learn to know you and trust you and love you. And you don't even need to say amen. See, if you really meant that prayer, congratulations. You are a follower of Christ. You have opened your life to the very presence of God. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says we'll know that we'll know this forgiveness and presence of Christ when we take this step of belief because God gives us the Holy Spirit, to fill our hearts with his love. The very presence of God through the Holy Spirit now indwells in us. Now that is what it means to believe. That is what it means to become a disciple of Jesus. Now when you've taken this step of belief, which God himself can only make happen in you, by the way, you are now a disciple. 
In other words, a learner, a follower of Jesus. And here's where Jesus, the Lord of all, makes a connection now in our journey of following him when it comes to, get, to taking the plunge in the water. Because Jesus is making it very obvious here. When someone decides to become a disciple, it, he says, now immerse them in water, dip them under some water. Jesus says to do this. And in fact, the early church, this is what the early church did when people believed in the good news of Jesus. In Acts 2.41, Peter preaches this big sermon on who Jesus was and what God the Father and God's plan and, and how it was all being found in Christ. And at the end, it says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized or immersed in water. How about this one? In Acts 8.31, there was a person by the name of Simon himself believed and was baptized. Here's another one, Acts 18.8. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, the, the missionary, and they became believers. And guess what happened next? They were baptized. You know, the key word we have to see here when it comes to baptism is, is that it's rooted in belief and it is an act of obedience to Jesus. He said that now we as the church, as we go in the world to make disciples, we need to tell people this, this is what Christ is calling people to do. This is a step of obedience Jesus asked you to take. Now you may ask, well, why this act? Why couldn't Jesus say, go into all the world and get everyone to raise their hands? Or go into all the world and get them to pat their head and rub their tummy. I mean, I, I mean he could have said anything. But actually, when you study the, 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 the background of baptism and the understanding of it all, we can also see here that baptism really does illustrate some powerful things. It illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. And if you have that, that outline, you can look and see those references in the scripture that talks about how it illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. It also illustrates, baptism illustrates my new life as a Christian where I have died to self and now I'm risen again in new life. And finally, it also imitates Christ. He himself was baptized. Now, I recognize every time I have preached on baptism... And again, whether it's to the people standing, sitting here in front of me or those watching, I'm always aware that there's two groups of people who've not experienced what we call believer's baptism. There are people who've not experienced that sequence where they believed and then they were baptized. And the first group of people I want to um, identify are what I want to say, the term I want to call those people are, these are people who want to obey. Now, 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 stay with me on this. There, there are people who want to obey, but are, who are hesitant to take the step of believer's baptism. They grew up in a church tradition where they experienced infant baptism or baptism of confirmation. And for them, according to their family and their traditions and their understanding of Christian faith, that this is a genuine expression of faith. And they do not want to um, do another act of baptism that they genuinely feel it is wrong. And they fall in the category of the Apostle Paul when, when he was talking about um, um, another whole issue. But, but listen to the principle here found in Romans 14, 23. Paul writes, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. And, 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 and here is the key principle statement that Paul's making. 
For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. I mean, I was taught by the leading Anglican theologian, J.I. Packer, back in my seminary days. And the interesting um, debate J.I. Packer and I had at one point was, J.I., if you came to my Baptist church, I would ask you to experience believer's baptism. And he says, but Dave, you don't understand. I experienced the baptism of confirmation, and I'm not getting dunked by you. So what, do, what would J.I. and I do if J.I. came to Moncton and the only church in Moncton was the Journey Church? What would J.I. Packer do? What would Pastor Dave do? Well, I would like to suggest that Dr. Packer and I would navigate this tension. I would like to think that we would keep searching the scriptures together and seek to obey God. There's another um, principle um, here that I, I think we can learn from the Apostle Paul when he writes this in Philippians 3.15. Listen to this. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. But then he says this. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. So to, to that group who come from that background and that tradition, and we have people, many people actually, who come out of that and who are now journeying with us in this family of faith because they felt God's called them to be part of this family. I would just say to you, um, let's navigate the tension. Let's continue to search the scriptures. Let's have dialogue about it. Um, and, uh, but, but I'm not going to ask you to do something that would go against your conscience. I would want God to make it plain to you so that you would be in freedom to take that step. But now I want to talk to the second group. See, the first group wants to obey, but they just say, based on my understanding, they have these issues and these struggles and these genuine questions. But then there's a second group. They're refusing to obey. They don't want to obey. They just don't want to do it. They're refusing. Um, let me put this as plain as possible. Those who are refusing to obey to get baptized. You are disobeying Jesus. Jesus commands it. He said it. If you believe, now's the time to take this step of obedience. Go make disciples and get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've taken that step of faith, then get baptized. You know, can I take you to an Old Testament story about people who come up with all their um, reasons? And can I, can I say something very pastoral at this moment? I think there are people within our church who believe in Christ, who've taken that step of inward faith, but have not gotten baptized because of pride. I'm going to step on a limb here because of pride. And I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and refer to a story by Naaman. Um, Naaman is a great uh, story about um, what, uh, it's the healing of Naaman. Uh, and Naaman was a, a, a mighty warrior who suffered from leprosy. And so he... Um, um, needed to get healed, and um, he went to Elijah, Elisha, which Jen had preached on a couple weeks ago, and um, uh, was looking for a healing. And I just want to pick up the story um, at verse 9 of 2 Kings 5. Listen to this. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, all the power, all the prestige, and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But I love this. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. 
Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Now notice Naaman's response. We're not, okay, that's it? I just got to get in some water and wash seven times? Oh, no, no, no. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, said, oh, I love this. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord God to heal me. I mean, something majestic, something powerful, something according to my understanding of how to express religious faith. And then he goes, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farper better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. See, I can't help but think that as I, as I challenge some of you to get baptized, you're getting a little upset. You're having a Naaman moment. But then, but listen to this. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go, wash, and be cured. So Naaman went to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him, and his, sin, his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. And, 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 and here's the principle I want you to catch. I want you to catch this. This step of obedience that Jesus is asking us to take is not difficult. It's not difficult. It's so simple. Get into some water and go under and say, I believe and now I'm baptized. I'm dipped under. I'm immersed with water. You know, it's funny though, right? I mean, Jesus is probably going to ask you to do some more difficult things down the road. Things around your heart, you know, like lust and greed and selfishness and forgiveness. Those really are harder than getting into some water. But if you can't do this step, will you take the plunge on those other steps? You know, one more baptism story. Oh, I love baptism stories. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I, I, I've been to Ethiopia, um, and, and so I kind of got a sense of maybe who was riding along in that chariot when Philip came upon this, this, this um, um, Ethiopian um, person of power and prestige, and um, uh, they, he was reading the scriptures. And um, Philip comes up to him, and, and the Ethiopian asks him, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him about the good news about Jesus. This is in, in, in Acts chapter 8. And, and notice this. And then it just jumps to this. And as they rode along, here's the next verse. As they rode along in the Ethiopian's chariot, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? See the connection? Heard about the good news of Jesus believed, got baptized. Wow. And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized them. And you know what I love about this story, too, is the immediacy. If you're believing in Jesus, if you understand who he is, that he died on the cross for your sins, that through him, he's the only way to God, that he brings peace, he brings forgiveness, he brings life. If you really say, I believe, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, well, guess what? There's no like, well, now let's take the next 10 years to get this sort of figured out. It's like kaboom, kaboom. See, baptism then can be summed up in this phrase. And let's go to the slide that says this. Believe, obey, and take the plunge. Believe, obey, and take the plunge. So, so people, as you at the Brentwood campus, as you're staring at a tank, and as we're staring at a tank here, 
Let me just simply say what the Ethiopian said. Here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Do you believe? Will you obey Jesus? Take the plunge. Take the plunge. I'm going to release now uh, t- uh, to Brentwood Campus, uh, Carolyn and uh, Jen, and you guys can take it over from there. So, um, we're just going to sing a song. And um, over there uh, at Brentwood Campus, camera's off now, right? Okay. <laughs> um, over at the Brentwood Campus, um, I'm going to invite the uh, band to come up right now. Um, there's three people planning to get baptized tomorrow morning there. But um, I, to- I asked the people who set up the, the tank, uh, Larry and Wayne, do this very faithfully. Um, I said, would you set up our baptism tank too? And, if, and I said, I just want to make it an illustration. I want to, but I thought, how can you preach about baptism and just get, end on the story of Acts chapter 8 where it says, here's some water, why don't we get baptized? Or I don't at least have the water ready. It's kind of like if you pray for rain, you better pick up your umbrella and let's go. And maybe God's calling you tonight. And you're saying, nah, can't do this. It's foolish. Maybe you're having a name in a moment. Don't. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. And we're actually going to make it very undifficult for you, too, because you can say, what do you expect me to do? Like, just jump in with my clothes? I mean, I do that, but I got an extra set of clothes here. But we actually have T-shirts and shorts out back, and this fine Wayne gentleman over here um, who assists us on Saturday evening, he can just show you where you can go and get changed really quick while we're singing the song. So I'm just simply giving that invitation because I feel it's my responsibility as you journey through your faith, simply ask yourself this. Have you experienced baptism born out of belief? Have you experienced that? And we want to give you an opportunity to respond and take that act and go under uh, this evening. And I'll promise to bring you back up, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to just pray, and then we're going to let the band lead. And, uh, and, and if you feel called to respond... Just make your way out over there, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Okay, let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, um, wow. Um, you know, baptism is a big issue. And Lord, we recognize that uh, there's many questions people can have around it, and if it can become such a difficult thing. But Lord, um, you don't want to make it difficult. You simply made this, this command to the church to go in the world to help people decide to believe in what Jesus has done and then, Jesus, you said, baptize them, immerse them in water, and uh, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're simply given this opportunity, and we're just doing it in faith. So, Lord, you let your spirit work in people's lives. Um, help them, give them the courage, help them to move, if that's the step that you're calling them to take. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.